I'm Barry Trammell. I'm Jenny Carlson. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. Bedlam football is a thing of the past. The series finale was Saturday, or at least it's the last game for now. And while it was a wildly entertaining game, it was another OU loss. 27-24, Cowboys win it. We'll talk about what went wrong for the Sooners, how they get back on track, the challenges that West Virginia will present on Saturday, and much more. But first, we want to say thanks to these sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. MidFirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Well, Jacko, we were there for the historic uh, last uh, bedlam. We'll see how long it was the last bedlam, but what an atmosphere in Stillwater. I thought the Sooners re- uh, really showed out. I was, I was surprised at the number of uh, OU fans that were able to find tickets and get in. Um, I thought they, uh, I thought they made a good sound impression at least. I mean, it wasn't when, when something good happened for the Sooners, it wasn't quiet. You could, you could yeah. tell the, uh, Oklahoma fans were there. Uh, but was that atmosphere Saturday, do you think it was different than other bedlams was, was the electricity, the anticipation, all those things. Was it, was it an upgrade even over what we normally see in Stillwater for bedlam? You know, I, I have a hard time saying one way or another. I was down, uh, outside, down towards the field. Um, basically the, where the Gallagher Iba walkway is, I was there for about the last five or so minutes of the game. And I thought the volume was as loud as I remember ever hearing it in Stillwater. And that's probably Bedlam's and other, you know, big games, Texas coming in, uh, K State games have been pretty rowdy over the years. So I don't, I, I mean, I don't know if it could be much louder, quite honestly. Um, so I thought the volume was loud. Now, we talked a lot last week, Barry, about sort of the vitriol or the, um, you know, sort of meanness that we thought might percolate in the stands. I don't know how it was on an individual level. I'm sure, um, you know, if you were a, a Sooner fan, amongst a a lot of cowboy fans there was probably some nastiness and probably went the other way too from time to time but as far as like sensing that's you know it was sort of different or how the all the fans were there early barry i will say that that was definitely different you saw a huge crowd there a good half hour before the game was getting ready to start so people got there early but as far as that vitriol, I don't know if I sensed it. Did you did you notice that? I know we were inside in the press box, so maybe it's hard for us to see, but it didn't I didn't really sense that like I thought I might. No, and you're right. We're insulated. Um maybe the most insulated press box in America at Boone Pickens Stadium. Um so we are probably the least qualified people to discuss it. Um but you know we had a nice walk from the uh, from where we parked to the stadium. It was more of a festive mood, I thought, than any kind of tension with between fans. Uh, we saw significant numbers of OU fans among the thousands and thousands of Cowboy fans. So um, it didn't seem it didn't seem worse than normal on that regard. Uh, but I did think the atmosphere was electric. I did think it was a case of just anticipation, not of necessarily the end, but of just of every play, right? as if 
I mean, this could be the this could be the play. This could be the snap that is going to affect everybody's mood for five years when they think of this series. Um, you know, certainly uh, the game meant so much to OSU, being on the on the wrong side of history for so long, but uh, a game that they needed not for just this season, but to to help patch the wounds of of decades past. Um, and the Sooners. Uh, wanted to win for all the reasons we know about this season, but also just to continue that domination. You know, headed to the SEC, and they wanted to keep that status and give give OU, I mean, give OSU no bragging rights of any kind. So I think every snap seemed to have more weight, more more uh, anticipation than usual. Um, and I I wonder how the Sooners handled it. I you know I I don't know that. OU's poise was what it wanted to be. A couple of the wild snaps. Mm-hmm. One was attributed to the noise. Um, Brent Venables lost his poise, comes out on the field uh, significantly. He wasn't five steps out. He was about 30 steps out and, and gets a penalty for arguing. Um, so I, 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 don't know that, I don't know that the Sooners handled the environment as well as they might have wanted to. No, I would agree with that. And I, I don't necessarily know that it's a case where, you know, they haven't been in, you know, electric environments or loud stadiums because, you know, I think Oklahoma tends to take that brand on the road and it's it's probably going to be as highly charged as, you know, any environment that, you know, will be at whatever, you know, away venue they're at. But yeah, just the emotion of that game. I mean, I think it hit differently. And anybody who would say, oh, just another game. I mean, Brent Venables talked in that regard. Mike Gundy talked in that regard last week. Um, You know, and I think that that only goes so far. I mean, I think when you uh, hear all year about the other team and, you know, fans and players are not immune to that. Um, I think even though that Mike Gundy said this, and I think there holds some truth that players tend to know each other better nowadays than they used to. So some of that animosity that comes with distance has disappeared because these guys are playing seven on seven together. They are going to camps together. They do know each other from social media. But yet I think that doesn't change the fact that both sides wanted to win that game badly. And yeah, the poise factor it was it was lacking for the Sooners. Now, I know a lot of Sooner fans, Barry, they want to talk about that no call on the pass interference. So let's get to the elephant in the room. Did that no call, Dylan Smith guarding Drake Stoops in the end zone and not getting a call, pass being incomplete, did that cost OU the game? No, it did not. It was a bad call, I think, unless till proven otherwise, it looked like textbook pass interference um, would have set up the Sooners inside the five-yard line. I can't, I, I think they were on the 19 or the 24. Anyway, they'd been in great shape to score and take the lead. Um, but welcome to, to modern football, which is in tight games, um, flags or non-flags uh, are, are huge, but they're part of the game. And if you watch the NFL, Every Sunday, pass interference is at the it's at the core of of what we're watching, and you just can't say, "Oh, it's a you know a conspiracy." The Big Twelve's out to screw us. 
should have been a uh, should have been a pass interference. The game was won. This was not Keith Stanberry's interception being waved off in 1984 against Texas. This was not a thing that would set that would have won the game. Sooner still would have had to score from uh, from close range. Still would have had to stop the Cowboys. We don't know. So uh, we know that uh, OU got the ball back and had a chance to win. Didn't produce. So. Um, you know, this is a no excuses situation as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you didn't get yeah. the, you didn't get the call. You got to overcome it. Sooners didn't. So nobody wants to hear that, but that's the truth. This is not the Oregon onside kick. This is just a a, a, a non call with four forty five or whatever it was. Five minutes yeah. left in the game. Didn't go your way. Do something about it. Sooners didn't. And I think it it can be a no it can be a missed call and not cost Oklahoma the game. I think those two things can actually be true because there was it, this wasn't the last play of the game. There was so much time on the clock that you can't say that that was the definitive play of the game. And if if o, OU fans want to argue that, I know some OSU fans that want to go back to the Bedlam game with the fake field goal and the the uh, delay a game clock had run out. The play clock had run out. It was at zero before that ball was snapped. So there's always going to be calls that are missed. And the fact, again, you, you bring up a great point, Barry. It wasn't a final play of the game situation. So I think it can be a missed call, but it can also not have cost Oklahoma the game because the other elephant in the room, Barry, was the pass interference that was called and drew some serious ire from Brent Venables, leading to an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. This is the second game in a row, Barry, that the bench has been called for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty because of something a coach said. It wasn't Brent Venables at Kansas, at least he didn't indicate as much, but it was against OSU. What in the world is going on here? Well, I think it's, I think it's emotions uh, overflowing. And every sideline in football is emotional. I think every every coach yells at the ref uh, that I know of. Um, the difference is twofold. One is Brent went so far out on the field. If you watch the official that called made the call, I mean he's out there and he he's trying to figure out what's you know where to place the ball and exactly all the protocols. And he just glances over and he he hears a coach yelling at him and he. He's had his ears filled his whole life with coaches yelling at him. He looks over, Brent Venable's standing right beside him, 30 feet, 10 yards out onto the field. And uh, that's a no-no. You know, some OU fans say, oh, co coaches come out on the field all the time. They don't go that far out. And that's just an automatic. You know, it's like uh, some of the things that are sort of squishy, uh, some things that are, uh, you know, in undetermined whether it'll get you in trouble. You know, going 72 and a 55, you might not get pulled over. Go 92, they're pulling you. They're not going to say, oh, let him go. That's not happening. You run out on the field that far, the flag's coming. Brent Venables is an emotional guy. It's one of the things that's made him a great coach. But you can't lose your poise like that. The Kansas game, that's the, uh, that's the go-ahead, the winning touchdown drive. Kansas gets, a, gets the benefit of a 15-yard penalty. Then the emotion that comes uh, out of it from OU gives another 15 yards. That happens Saturday again. Two straight game-winning drives against the Sooners fueled by 30 yards worth of penalties. That was a life preserver to the, to the Cowboys. 
They were backed up at the eight. So yeah, the pass interference, if you're a Sooner fan, you don't want that called. You say that's a no call. It's a tough, it's a tough call. But if if you live with it, OSU's on the 23, still got a got a world away to go. All of a sudden they're on the 38. Yeah. They got new life. So yeah. not not uh, not a very nice uh, stretch of poise for the Sooners and Brent Venables. Yeah, and you know the thing about these calls with pass interference and and all of that, the Sooners are headed to the SEC, and I can tell you the league that will look the other way on pass interference, and it's the SEC. So if they think they're heading to a league where they're going to start getting all these calls, especially with pass interference, that ain't happening in the SEC. So they need to get used to, you know, calls not going their way, especially when it comes to that specific penalty. But yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, Venables has got to be better. He And frankly, this is, this is going to sound crazy, but I don't think he has a get back coach. I think he needs a get back coach, Barry. I don't know who, I don't know who, you know, how they fill that role, but you got to keep that guy on the sideline. And if he had somebody standing directly behind him, grabbing at his shirt, maybe he doesn't get out 10 yards onto the field in, you know, past the numbers. He's inside the numbers, Barry. He was practically part of the, the play at that point. He's one of the 11 Sooners on the field, 12 then. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta be better than that. You gotta keep your, gotta keep your cool in those situations because that was huge. That was a huge sequence right there to go from 15 yard penalty, which nobody wants to 30 yards in penalties. Boy, that's a, that's a killer. That's a killer for a defense to have that go that, that far south. And I mean, let's talk about other issues because it wasn't just Brent Venables getting a, a bad penalty. What else went wrong for the Sooners? What tops your, your list of concerns coming out of that Bedlam loss? Well, you know, you actually found a running game, right? I mean, Gavin Sawchuck goes 64 yards, I think it was, on the third snap of the game, a touchdown. Tawee Walker gets in in the second half, has a bunch of good runs, ends up in 59 yards on eight carries, uh, the 20-something-yard touchdown run. So the Sooners ran the ball the way they wanted to run the ball. But the passing game was not as great. and uh, Dylan Gabriel's uh, mobility or his ability to to run was was uh, curtailed. Cowboys contained him. They didn't let him scramble. The Dylan Gabriel run game with draws and zone reads, those things really didn't do much at all. Cow- uh, Sooners didn't even really go to it much. So uh, that was a problem. And I did not think the OU receivers were very good. Uh, Nick Anderson dropped. Uh, what would have been a uh, a long catch, probably a touchdown. We're talking 60-something yard touchdown catch. He drops the ball. Uh, Jalil Farouk makes some, uh, you know, has two false starts. Um, Drake Stoops, old reliable, uh, doesn't get enough, enough depth on the, on the game's uh, ultimate play, the fourth and five out pattern. He go, basically makes a three-yard route and, and Dylan Smith keeps him. He's going out of bounds, so Dylan Smith just has to not let him turn up field. And fairly easy play for Dylan Smith's just being in the right position. So, just I didn't think the OU receivers had a good day, and I think that was problematic for 
for this yeah. game. Uh, Brennan Thompson, a big play. We sometimes forget late third quarter, fourth and five. Uh, Sooners are down about the 30-yard line of OSU. Brent Venable said, let's go for it. They run a little curl to Brennan Thompson. He's open, hits him in the gut, drops the ball. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, just not a, uh, not a stellar day for the OU receiving corps. Yeah, and I thought the turnovers were a real issue. Um, you know, you referenced uh, the one that was seemed to be a snap that was way too early and caused a fumble, but, you know, a, a, a Dylan Gabriel interception. Um, two, I think they put the ball on the ground four times, lose two of them. Uh, three turnovers is a good way to get yourself beat. So I think the turnover issues – that that has to be a concern heading forward. You don't want to turn it over that much. Oklahoma's defense has been good in getting turnovers, but they only managed one on Saturday. So to not to, to lose the turnover battle by two in a game that close is going to be pretty pretty hard to hard to overcome. Um, so I think that's a, a definite area of concern heading forward um, for the Sooners. What about on the on the flip side, Barry? Uh, what do you like about? You know, obviously the Sooners only lose by three, hostile environment, high stakes. I know that that's not any, that's a, you know, cold comfort to a lot of Sooners, but still means that some things went right for OU on Saturday. What, what tops that list for you? Well, it starts with stopping Ollie Gordon. Thought the OU defensive game plan, uh, no surprise there with Brent Venables, was really good. Uh, they, uh, they said, we're not letting Ollie Gordon beat us. They loaded the box. Uh, made for a good, uh, a really strong game from Alan Bowman. He completed a lot of passes, a lot of production. But I think you got to do that against OSU, and the Sooners did. 136 yards for Gordon on 33 carries. You'll live with that any day. And longest run was 35. Uh, he had a 35-yard run and a 20-yard run. But outside of that, mostly kept in check. So stopping Gordon is is uh the first mission and the Sooners did that. I I thought also that the defense really hung in there uh without uh, Danny Stutzman. He's the emotional leader in some ways he's yep. the physical leader. They played without their star linebacker Kip Lewis was a really good 15 tackles. Uh showed that he's going to be a good player very soon, maybe right now. So, uh lots to like the uh, you know the the sooner defense uh, defensive backs did not let the Cowboys run free. Bowman completed a lot of passes, but um, a lot of tight coverage. Um, so I I thought the defense for the most part really held up, and um, that's encouraging uh, on the long view of of where OU has been wanting to go for a long time. So. Um, held Cowboys to three touchdowns. You had to like your chances if you did that. Didn't work out, but I thought the defense was really good. Yeah, to me, the the biggest positive uh, I, I thought was Kip Lewis. Just to to if you if you'd have told Sooner fans coming out of the Kansas game, no Stutzman, you know, you're not going to have him. I think a lot of people would have thought, Ugh, I think oh, you might be in trouble, and maybe in trouble pretty badly. Um, Kip Lewis was not, Danny Stutzman's absence was not the reason that Oklahoma lost that game. And so the fact that Kip Lewis was able to step in, play as well as he did, I'm intrigued by the guy. I don't, I, listen, I don't think that you say Stutzman gets healthy and Lewis still plays. That's not happening. Danny Stutzman, once he's healthy, he's back on the field for the Sooners. 
But now it's a question of how do you get Kip Lewis onto the field some too? Because clearly he can play. Um, so, you know, how do they now suddenly they've got another good option there at linebacker. You know, we saw uh, we saw the Jaron Canick was out a little bit, um, I think, because he wasn't playing well. So they got some reserve guys in there who held the line pretty well. I think that's a really positive moving forward. Um, I don't you know, obviously it didn't win the game. But I, again, I don't think it cost him the game. And considering how they've tried to build this defense, increase the depth, increase the talent. I think we're starting to see signs that that's actually there um, in, a, in a moment when they needed a reserve to step up. Kip Lewis was there to do it. So um, I think that's a really positive forward moving sign for Oklahoma as it relates to that defense. Um, well, let's talk about where the Sooners stand right now. Obviously, back to back losses. Um, is there a feeling of Sooners are in trouble or can they finish this thing strong, Barry? I, their schedule sets up well to finish strong, but. Where do you come down on the in trouble or finish strong? I'm way more on the finish strong side of things. Um, the truth of the matter is, now nobody in Crimson really wants to hear this, but here's what's happened the last two weeks. The Sooners went on the road to really hostile environments against top 25 teams. Don't look now, but Kansas is really good. They're 7-2. and two. They just went to Ames and won. Yep. And when OU went up there, uh, you were there, Jacko. This is a this is a football program that's been uh, Rip Van Winkle. It's been asleep for 20 years. And the fans are all of a sudden excited about the ball that's oblong and not round. And a full house. Then they have the lightning delay, big mess. And the Sooners get beat right at the end, uh, just inches away from from winning it on defense, inches away from winning it on offense. Any 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 kind of reasonable um, analysis says, you know what? That was not a bad loss. And then Saturday, you go to Stillwater, uh, an historic cauldron, the, uh, the series being what it is, OSU playing the way it's been playing. There's nothing easy about that. And the Sooners go and have a chance to win. I don't think the results of the last two weeks are um are any kind of a warning sign about Oklahoma football. I think uh they got a good team. I think they can still finish strong. The schedule really uh works out. West Virginia's good. After that, uh the Sooners go to Brigham Young. Cougars are really struggling. Come home for TCU. TCU's really struggling. Then you take your chances and see what happens after that. But no, I think oh you can finish strong. And I am not down on Oklahoma just because of these two losses. Modern football, you go to the end of the game, you win some, you lose some. It's what happened with UCF. Sooners won it. It's what happened with Texas. Sooners won it. Last two weeks, Sooners lost it at the end. So if you're going to play close games, these things are going to happen. Close games are going to happen. But I, I'm bullish on Oklahoma. I think they can finish strong. I think a 10-2 and two regular season is not just possible, but likely. And that yeah. would be a really solid finish. Yeah, and it would, considering that losing record last year, Barry, double-digit wins, big big step in the right direction. Now, I don't think Oklahoma can get to the Big 12 title game. I, they would have to have a ton of help to get there. Uh, I think Texas looks like they're riding strong to get there. Oklahoma State, 
as easy as you just outlined OU schedule to re- the remainder. OSU's is even easier. They get three of the four newbies uh, are left on their schedule. So they would have to have a serious stumble to lose any of those games. Could happen because they're uh, on the road uh, for uh, for at least, uh, well, two of them. So, you know, they've got road games, but I still like their chances to finish out with victories these next three weeks. So I don't think OU makes the Big 12 title game, but 10 wins. I mean, before the season started and you knew exactly what Oklahoma was going to look like, before you knew that Dylan Gabriel was going to be better than he was a year ago, before you knew, you know, some of the positive Stutzman and the defense of their evolution, I think a lot of people would have said, I like a 10-win regular season. And I still think Oklahoma's got a great chance to do that. But I would be surprised to see them in Arlington, Barry. Yeah, I, it, it, it's not going to be easy to make it to Arlington. They do have to have some help. The best help would be if someone beat Texas. Now, the Horns have a tougher schedule than Oklahoma does down the stretch. Um, uh, they go to Fort Worth. Texas at TCU is never easy for Texas. The, uh, the Horn Frogs have dominated the series uh, since coming into the Big 12. Uh, Sonny Dykes' team is not real good this year. Not terrible, but they're sort of mediocre. But in Fort Worth, that won't be easy. Also, Texas goes to Iowa State. It could be 26 degrees and windy in Ames. <laughs> Might even be a night game. That would, you know, and Iowa State plays defense. You're not going to go up there and score 41 points, I don't think. So it figures to be tight. So I wouldn't lose hope, uh, but you do need some help, particularly from the Longhorns. Um, and we, you know we've we've seen it happen before, so stay tuned on that. But the only way you can take advantage if something did happen is if you um, you know win out. So uh, I think that's what that's what's got to be paramount for the Sooners. And of course, are winning you, out tough. The tough. Are, go ahead, Jacko. Are you telling me there's a chance we get another Bedlam? Well, I don't. Yes, I am. <laughs> it's a small chance. I know. I know. But. Um, that would be funny, though. Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. People like us and everybody else have been talking about final bedlam, final bedlam. Not only was it not the final bedlam, it wasn't the final bedlam of the five-week period in which we were talking. <laughs> so, um, What do yeah. we know? By the, by the way, uh, sign me up for a bedlam in Arlington. Uh, you know, we've totally. been looking for it for all oh, these many years. So yeah. uh, that would be fun. Now, uh, if, if the Sooners are going to win out, though, biggest hurdle is going to be West Virginia. The Mountaineers are a, uh, are a good team. Uh, they've had a nice year under Neil Brown. They were picked last in the Big 12. Uh, we didn't know what we were talking about, we being the collective media. And uh, the uh, WVU has gotten up to 6-3. and three. They're bowl eligible. They're a lot closer to 7-2 and two than they are 5-4 and four with uh, the Hail Mary loss at Houston, which just has to gnaw at, at West Virginia still. If, if they win... Uh, if they win that Hail Mary game, they're tied for the Big 12 lead. So wow. they're coming in with the same conference record as Oklahoma. So beware the Mountaineers is what I say. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. This is one of those games that, um, you know, it could be another close game. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma has found itself in close games after last year being in close games. Now, they lost those close games last year. They're winning more of them this year. 
But this is this sets up to be another tight game, Barry. I mean, I could definitely see this being another one possession game. I think Oklahoma wins. Uh, why don't we go right to score predictions? What What do you say? What What's What's it going to look like on Saturday? I think it'll be tight. I think OU's, OU's defense. I think will keep the kibosh on West Virginia. Mostly, it's not West Virginia is a solid team. Um, not great on offense. Um, I think I think the Sooners can sort of control the game, but in a in a fairly close score manner. I'm picking OU 27-20. Um, we're we're accustomed to shootouts when the Sooners and Mountaineers get together. It's not going to be that way, uh, but I do think OU controls the game and wins, not with ease, but with some level of comfort. I'm going 27-20. Yeah, I was uh, I was thinking about in that range too. I'll go twenty eight twenty three uh, Sooners, but I do think it's. I mean, it's just to me. I was listening to scores uh, from the Big Twelve. I, I think this was maybe driving home after we got back from Stillwater on Saturday, and they were listing off final scores. And I knew winners for the Big Twelve games, but I hadn't heard final scores. And there were there were so many one and two and three point games in this league, Barry. That's just. That's just where we are. This league, we've talked about parity. We see it. But then you look at the scores, and nobody, with very few exceptions, nobody runs away from anybody else. So I don't know why this next game against West Virginia would be much different for the Sooners. I think it's going to be a one-possession game again. But I like Oklahoma's chances to go ahead and win against West Virginia. Well, that's all the time we've got this week. Remember, the Sooners host West Virginia, 6 p.m. Saturday. Ben Norman, Jenny, and more of our sellout crowd team will be there. Plus, we'll have all sorts of OU content this week at selloutcrowd.com. You can find our content, too, at barrytrammell.com and jenny-carlson.com. And if this happens to be your first time hearing or watching us, be sure to subscribe to our show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. If you like what you hear, please leave a review and subscribe, subscribe subscribe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.